Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Seven Under Golf Podcast. Uh, today is an exciting day as we have a very exciting guest on the show. It's someone I've been looking very forward to speaking with uh, for quite some time now. Uh, as cool as our guest is today, it's unfortunate we couldn't meet up in person, but uh, we do have her here online and I think you guys are going to absolutely love her. Nonetheless, uh, ladies and gentlemen, professional ladies golfer, Cassandra Hall, welcome to the show. Thank you so much and thank you very much for having me. Awesome. No, it's, it's an honor to be speaking with you today. Um, so, so we're going to get right into it, but before, before sure. we do begin, can, can you tell us where you're currently located? I'm currently in Scotland. I just played the pre-qualifying for the British Women's Open. Unfortunately, missed it by a couple shots, but uh, yeah, in Scotland at the moment and heading through to London tomorrow. No, that, that, that's absolutely incredible. And from where I'm sitting here in South Africa at the moment, I would 100% jump in your shoes at the moment and swap positions. <laughs> I'm cool, uh, I wouldn't mind swapping with you to be back home just for maybe like two days, but well, that's part of the job. When, when was the last time that you were back in South Africa? I've been out here for four weeks and I have another five weeks left and then I'll head home. I need to sort out some visas for the US and then we're heading to New York. I've got an event there. Then we're coming back home and then back to Europe for the last few events of the year. So quite a busy end to the year, but uh, super excited to to get it going. Yeah, I mean, that definitely, it, it sounds exciting and it sounds like a lot of traveling though. Um, and, and I mean, that's something I have wanted to, to ask. Uh, we, we have tried to ask a few of our previous guests, although they haven't really fully had the answer for us. Um, you obviously though, being on the European tour, you, you've been on the Sunshine tour previously. So you've done the back and forth traveling. What, what is the traveling like today um, in being a professional golfer? I mean, speaking of even just today, with our podcast, there was a little bit of a delay uh, due to some train issues and that. Um, is that something that happens often? Um, well, what is that like? I mean, traveling is really, really fun, seeing all the different places and things like that. It isn't as pretty as it looks on Instagram and seeing all these new places. Like, yes, it's definitely really cool to, for example, go to the castle, the castles here in Scotland and go to the London Eye and all that. But it's a big hassle back and forth. Um, as soon as you get to a new hotel, it's unpack, play practice round, pro-am, play golf tournament, pack up next place. So it's definitely not as pretty as it looks. Um, it doesn't run as smoothly. You don't, it's not, a lot of people think when you're a professional athlete, you have like this personal driver and your own personal plane. That's not exactly how it works. Well, not yet as I, I'm experiencing, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work back and forth. Um, you're waking up early, going to bed late, trying to get things done. Um, simple tasks like um, just keeping a routine, you know, like going to gym, depending on what time you tee off, you have to arrange a gym. With COVID now, you're not allowed gyms. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's fun, but you get to a point where you've had enough and all you want to do is just go home and not live out of a suitcase and go to laundromats every weekend to wash your clothes. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would say... It's a uh, bittersweet. You you're seeing a lot. You're traveling a lot for your work, and that's the awesome part. I mean, it's it's really really cool. As soon as you get to a new place, you got your camera out, taking photos everywhere. It looks awesome, and then it's pack up and next place and next place. So yeah, I think um, a bit of both. Yeah, I know what it just. It sounds like it's it's nonstop. It's just constant. You're on the go. 
um obviously yeah you, you play a lot of golf which i would imagine something it's, it's a passion to you uh but yeah the traveling it, it must become a bit of a nightmare and i i can imagine when yeah booking hotels and that sometimes it, it doesn't always go according to plan and you you all of a sudden have to quickly result to a plan b to to get through it um that's 100% true it's and it's not easy to travel the golf bag people always look at you because it looks like you're pulling around a dead body but <laughs> lugging around the golf bag and then all your clothes actually fit into one bag you have to have a backpack because you only have two hands to pull two bags and then uh, it's just and then you have to acclimatize to where the different places are you have to figure out how far the golf ball goes um i mean yeah it's <laughs> it's a lot of work um but well worth it for me. I mean, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. Um, you learn a lot. The more you travel, the more you start figuring things out. And yes, things don't always go according to plan. For example, now I just played British pre-qualifier. And if I got in, then I'd have to find accommodation to stay on in Scotland. If I didn't, I had to find accommodation. So basically this morning, I booked accommodation for tomorrow and my train to London tomorrow. So it's also a lot of I mean, I think I can become a travel agent after this because um, I'm getting so good at it. So, yeah, it's definitely a, quite a challenge. Yes, no, absolutely. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, any any golfers listening out there, if if you don't know what to do after your career, maybe try being a travel agent. Um, but just, just with all the, the traveling and that, um, obviously a lot of, I know, golfers, they, you, you guys get your sponsors and all of that. Do, do they contribute to that somewhat or... Or is that mainly for a, a responsibility for the golfers themselves? Uh, so generally, a lot of uh, girls actually have managers and they sort it out. Um, also, coming from South Africa, there's only a few of us on tour. So I'm not exactly sure what other girls do. Um, I know my mate, uh, Nobs, she has a, a manager that helps her out. But she kind of, we have to guide them everywhere because we've got to know what days to get there and what airport to fly to and things like that. Uh, so they generally do the booking. So like I have a travel agent that I have on hand 24 seven and I contact her. I tell her I need to be at this place at this time. She finds the closest flight, for example, to that time. Um, so it's a lot of juggling around and you can't miss things. Uh, like I say, COVID makes it very difficult because of the, the PCR testing. Um, you have to time your tests correctly so that by the time you land in your your needed destination, you haven't run out of hours. You need to make sure your accommodation is COVID safe. Um, booking flights is a bit crazy. If you don't have all your documents, you can't get on the flight. So there's definitely a lot to do. I think it's a lot to handle for one person, um, i.e. that's why I have the travel agents. It's just easier to, to let them do that and read the finer print when you're out here and you're, you're busy. So um, I definitely think it's, it's something to invest in a travel agent or manager if they book it and things like that. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, well, well, I mean, <laughs> golf, golf in general, it's such a, a mind-playing game almost. And you really need to, uh, I, I would say, have a healthy mind constantly going into golf rounds and all of that, especially if you want to be competing to be one of the best. Um, so, so, yeah, having all of this extra weight on your shoulders, it, it must be really tough. So, uh, I can see exactly uh, why, why there would be a travel agent in place and how they do make it easier. Um, but speaking with, with the, all the, the traveling that you guys constantly have to do, uh, obviously with, with regards to their family, where, where, would they, where do they come involved? Uh, are they able to travel with you? I know now with COVID it's gotten a little bit hard, but previously were they able to travel with you guys? Um, yeah. 
Uh, family is very difficult. It's part of turning it uh, into a professional golfer, especially because we play all year round. It's not like we play overseas for six months and that's that. Um, and we settle down in one place because we back and forth up and down different countries every weekend. Um, it's you don't really get family out here. Well, my fiance is out here actually. He's up in the apartment. He came through now um, to caddy for me, and that is the only way I can really spend time with him for the next ten weeks. So he's leaving soon. So then I won't see him for like five weeks. Um, I haven't seen my mom for five weeks. So it's one of the sacrifices you have to make. Um, it's actually one of the the main things uh, a lot of girls told me before I turned pro, and they just said, just be willing you're going to have to sacrifice a lot if there's i don't know a music festival you really want to go to and it's your friend's birthday and you promise them and this and that you're going to have to sacrifice it you're going to miss weddings you're going to miss birthdays I, it was actually my birthday the last week and we asked you and everyone's like what are you doing i'm like i'm in a hotel room and i'm playing golf tomorrow <laughs> like it's just another day on tour yeah, so it's definitely yeah. sacrifice is a huge huge part uh family friends social life um you know, I think when you turn pro, you kind of got to get that little white picket fence um, image out of your head uh, because it's not when you travel for a living, it's really difficult. Uh, for example, like if you have to have kids, I don't know how you would carry on with this unless you're on like a main tour in the States and you can go back and forth a little bit. But it's really tough. It's a, it's a tough lifestyle. And it's even like it's difficult to keep relationships intact when you're this far away. Um, like you said, like we said, the, the connection here is so bad. And let's say staying at a hotel for a week and the connection's so bad, and then you get Wi Fi at the golf course. The only time you get a phone family is at the golf course for five minutes just to let them know you're alive. So it's definitely one of the sacrifices, um, that I knew I was getting myself into when I turned pro. And I'm pretty sure my family understands by now. It's been, it's been a while. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they love watching you on TV and, and really seeing how how you are growing so much because I mean to be honest uh, I, I did start seeing you quite quite a bit more on social media and then I started following you a little bit more on actually what, watching golf on TV and all of that and when I actually found out your age I was blown away I didn't realize that you were actually such a, a young talented golfer um, I, if I must be honest I thought yeah you're quite a bit older the way I, I just saw you playing and yeah. I straight away had to yeah, do a little bit more information on you and uh, yeah, I was blown away. Um, but I mean, yeah, growing uh, growing up in, in South Africa, I see yeah, you obviously are from Johannesburg. Your your original club is Glendower Golf Club. Um, yeah. and, and I mean, yeah, living in South Africa myself, I know we 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 very much family orientated, and we're always with friends and all of that. So it, it must be really tough to to give all of that up, but. I, I mean, it, it's obviously a passion or something to you that you, you're willing to to go the final way and and give up those necessary commitments. Um, but I, th I think it's fantastic that your your fiance is going to be caddying for you. Uh, that's something really cool on on our previous show or previous episodes. We we spoke to our guests about caddying um, and how important they are in golfing. Um, but but and, and I mean, I love it when, when when golfers do bring a bit of their family into it. Um, I, I, yeah. I can't think. I've got a specific golfer in mind right now. I just can't think of the name. Um, who, uh, Lee Westwood, who, who will generally have his wife with him. And on some yes. occasions, he brings his son into it. I, I find it really cool because I, I would imagine that's almost, again, his way of spending time with family. Definitely. And also, um, you know, it's, it's probably like, for example, Lee Westwood's son. That's probably how his son grew up is 
spending time with dad on the golf course. So it's he maybe he's playing in the Masters, but his son feels like it's just another Saturday with dad on the golf course kind of thing. So I definitely think it's very cool to incorporate family. Um, I think once you get to a very high level, um, so for example, if I got into the British Open this week, Adrian wouldn't be caddying for me. It's just, it's a big stage. Uh, I would be nervous. So he would be absolutely nervous. Um, so I definitely think there's there's definitely a time and a place for it. Um, I mean, if you look on the LPGA, the girls there, they they mean business. It's, it's all business there. There's no family canning and things. So I definitely think it has a time and a place, but I've really enjoyed AD canning for me out here. And um, I'm glad to see lots of golfers incorporating family in it. Yeah, no, it, it, it is definitely something quite awesome. Um, but nevertheless, so you, you grew up in South Africa. Um, when, when you grew up, so I see, I see you, you got into, involved in golf at, at the age of 10 years old. You did play a lot of sports previously. How did you come upon golf or, or how did golf come upon you? Where, when was the first time you ever picked up a golf club? Funny story, actually. Um, a lot of people ask you this question and most people expect like my dad taught me and we started when I was young and we used to go to the ranch together. Mine's very uh, unconventional. My mom was engaged to a guy. He was an absolute douchebag. He played golf and he introduced me to it and he bought me my first club. We went to the range. I played a little bit, but like I said, um, I, I played a lot of sports growing up. So any sport I was automatically hooked onto. Um, so Eventually, my mom and this guy broke up, and I said, I want to carry on playing golf. I really enjoy it. So we kind of figured out how it all works. I didn't even know all the rules by then. I think I've I only played a couple rounds of golf my whole life. And I said, no, I really enjoy this. I want to take this further. And that's how the golf started, and I slowly started building up. Um, funny enough, no one in my family plays golf, which is actually quite nice because golf is on my mind 24-7 when I'm out here and traveling and stuff. When I get home, it's not like, my brother's like oh let's go play golf because that's the last thing I want to do when I get home I just want to switch off for a little while uh so yeah very strange no cousins no uncles no one plays golf at all I'm the only golf in the family wow no that, that that's incredible but I mean then playing a whole lot of sports you obviously must have been quite a talented sports star I mean and then obviously making the decision you were going to go up with golf having only played a few rounds as you mentioned there must have been quite a bit of potential there to decide I'm going to stick with golf and I'm going to go through with it. And I mean, I must say you, you're doing a phenomenal job. Um, I, I think you're definitely a player that fans out there should be watching and keeping an eye on because there's definitely a lot of potential in you. Um, and I mean, just then speaking of tour and all of this, where, when, when you do play golf, who out of the four balls that you have played with before, who would you say has ever been the best four ball you've played with from from the point of view where they actually they've inspired you or, or they were a role model to you or something like that? Um, so there were two, I don't know, the one stood out a lot. Uh, last year I played in Saudi Arabia for the Ramco team series. We actually won, won it as a team. And uh, how the whole tournament works is the first week it is uh, individual play. So everyone plays by themselves. Second week, there's 36 captains and each captain picks who they want on their team. And the third is a lucky draw kind of, and that's who your third player is. And then you have one amateur. And so we played the individual and a, a girl called Emily Pedersen won individual. 
And now this was my first tournament out on the LET. I had no idea how it works. And I get phone calls. You're playing with Emily. You're playing with Emily. I'm like, wow, who's Emily? So everyone gives me the breakdown. Says, no, she won last week. This, this, this. I'm like, cool. Let's go. I don't, I don't know this girl. Let's, let's go play. And she really impressed me. I really enjoyed the tournament. We had such a nice four-ball. Um, our amateur was a real laugh. And uh, the other girl was Michelle Thompson. She was a, Scot- a Scottish girl. Really, really kind. I asked her a couple questions here and there about tour because she's been on tour for a little while. Um, but, yeah, Emily was very, very impressive. So so neat and tidy, the golf. It was so simple. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think the, the way she simplified it, it really impressed me because a lot of people complicate it and say, I have this coach for this and I have this for this. And if you eat that, you're going to swing the, the, the club badly and things like that. So she was just so simple and like simple things that worked. So, yeah, I was very impressed by her. I'd definitely say that's, that's the person I was impressed by. Yeah, awesome. Well, but, yeah, to be honest, I, I haven't really heard much about her, but I mean, she sounds like a very interesting lady. Um, and, and, and I mean, that's awesome that you guys did win it. It sounds like, yeah, you definitely got a lucky pairing. Um, but speaking of how the, the groups came about, how you mentioned some were, were drawn out and that, and a captain got to pick one. How, how, how did you come about in that team? I was the lucky draw. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, funny story. So we're walking up the fairway and uh, I'd, Probably going to get a few unfollows for this, but I've never watched Harry Potter in my life. I don't know how Harry Potter works. I don't know, whatever. So she has this yardage book that she puts in her back pocket and it has, like, it looks like glasses on it with a wand and a, I think it was like a lightning strike thing. So I'm like, oh, cool book. She's like, oh, thanks. It's Harry Potter, this, this, this. I said, I've never watched Harry Potter. She says, good thing you told me this now because this is the last day. Otherwise, you would never be on my team. I love Harry Potter. I'm like, oh, jeepers. So I think I got picked because I wasn't a Harry Potter supporter. But um, yeah, that's my funny story. She wasn't too impressed that I didn't watch Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> like growing up myself, yeah, I, I didn't really watch too much Harry Potter. I watched a few of it, but definitely can't name all the, the, the shows and the, what is it, the series and all of that, all the books. No, definitely can't. Um, nah. But no, definitely. It sounds like you, you you're having an awesome time on tour so far. You you're really enjoying yourself. How how does that impact the way you perform on tour when when, when you've got a good environment around you? Yeah, definitely. I think if you have a good environment around you, and like we said earlier, um, the mental game plays a huge part when you're out here. So small things like who you room with. If you room with someone that plays badly and they're negative person. Eventually, you start falling into that. Um, but each week is different out here, you know. Um, like, you can be as organized as you want. Not everything goes to plan. Uh, usually, when thinking, for myself personally, when things go to plan and everything's organized, I usually play better that week because you don't have to worry about things. Having a clear head out there. Um, and some things just pop, out, pop up and you can't do anything about it. But I definitely think... Uh, rooming is important being organized is important and then when it comes to golf tournament only focus on the golf make sure everything is sorted before the golf tournament starts um, I think that definitely improves imp- uh, improves your performance uh, one of the tough things out here is diet it's very very hard and very very expensive to stick to anything especially now with COVID we're only allowed in hotels then we can only eat hotel food and like everyone knows as soon as you get to a hotel they tend to charge you double um and just nutrition wise it's so difficult you know at home it's so easy you can just 
quickly make a salad or make some chicken and rice and veg out here it's whatever's on the menu that's what you got to go with you're always on the go so takeaway food is always there it's the easiest thing to grab so you got to be very like self-conscious about it and and make a an extra effort to try eat well um and i find the better you eat out here the easier it is to perform because you're putting a lot of toll on your body you know when i'm out here i always feel like it's fight or flight mode and as soon as you get home and you don't have things to stress about the next accommodation that's when everything hits you yeah. so i think the longer you maintain like a healthy lifestyle while you're out here don't get me wrong we eat a lot of takeaways it's it's not pretty like once you're taking a flight when you're at the airport like you can grab a sandwich cool then when you get there and you land at 10 o'clock at night 11 o'clock at night the only thing that's open is mcdonald's so you're getting a mcdonald's burger whether you want one or not but it's just small efforts here and there that i, I definitely think make a huge difference mm, no well, yeah, it sounds like it, it's quite easy to to just get caught up in in the lifestyle and you, you do you just start eating whatever and not necessarily realizing it's actually going to take quite an impact on your game uh, and, and one of the things i love about Sander shuffley is um i know for, for most of his events uh, if he, he's playing in well, a certain district he will he'll like find his little restaurant and for the week he'll try just only eat at that restaurant and i, I just find that something cool because it's he, he's trying to set a routine as best as he can um uh, you mentioning yeah you, you can't just necessarily go make a, a chicken and rice or anything like that you have to eat what's off the menu. So uh, I quite like that. Yeah, he he finds his menu. He, he knows what he's going to eat and he sticks to it. He, he follows his routine. Um, but you mentioned having someone like a, a roommate, not necessarily performing too well, uh, have a bit of an impact on your game. Do you, do you have a say in who your roommate is? Uh, yeah, so you can pick who you stay with. Um, that's what gets quite tricky when you first start out here because then you're the newbie everyone's the room with you and you've got to figure out and you've got to say no to some people you know somebody says they want a room with you and you say sorry i don't like staying with you and it sounds so horrible but you can't sacrifice you've sacrificed so much time not seeing family costing so much money being out here you're not gonna you being a nice person to someone to say that you're gonna stay with them but you really don't want to you're not gonna sacrifice all that to end up playing horrible because you're not happy in your room so yeah my warning is for everyone who goes on tour in the beginning everyone wants to be your friend just pick wisely and be a bit selfish because at the end of the day it's you that you need to take care of in your archer so i definitely think roommates you get really negative people out here and it's it's like all the sayings say you are who you surround yourself by if you're surrounded by negativity you're going to find negativity in everything and when you're traveling out here and something goes wrong, it's very easy to say, oh, of course this happens to me. Now I'm just going to sit here and solve. But you've got to have a different mindset saying, cool, how are we going to change this? How are we going to make this better? Same as the golf course. So I definitely think it's important of who you surround yourself by. Even if you don't share with anybody, just who you become friends with on the tour, who you stick around. Um, I think you you take in more than what you realize you're taking. Um when you hear negative and positive things, I think you you automatically get in that mindset without even realizing it. So yeah, very and, important, I think. And, and I mean, you've got your, these people surrounded by you. And I mean, in the modern world we live in, there's so much social media also out there. And uh, uh, as cool as it is, it also sucks because there's also some horrible comments that can be thrown out there. Um, and, and I mean, that must just add to the environment and a little bit of the pressure to start 
trying to perform a little bit better, even though you actually are really doing well. It's just people at the end of the day and, and they're just trying to add a little bit of pressure. Um, but I mean, how, how often, I know you, you spoke about where the good thing about your family not playing golf is that you can, when you get home, you don't need to play any golf. How often do you play a casual round of golf um, or is it with like some friends or, or the other professionals that you guys really just take it easy and nothing serious? Firstly, any guy professional in South Africa, it's going to be a challenge. Like it's not just casual golf with them ever. It's always bet money, bet this, bet that. They just want to play and they want to beat you. So that's never casual, which is really good. Keeps you on your toes. Um, but I would say, I probably sound like a horrible person, but I'm quite selfish when it comes to playing because I travel so much when I am back home and I have time to work on things. I need to use that time wisely. So, for example, before this year started, I had five weeks to prepare basically for the whole year because I'd be coming home for a week and you're not going to get much done in a week. Um, so I'm quite selfish with my time. I play a lot by myself, duck out early in the morning, uh, focus on what I need to do. And then once you finish your 18, everyone's at the club and then they want to talk to you and chat and catch up and things like that. So I try to get the business side of things done and then afterwards we can do a bit of fun. But I'd say, um, I mean, we don't get casual rounds out here. The only casual round you're getting is a practice round or a pro-am. Uh, but when I'm back home, probably, I'd probably play a casual round like once a week. Once, you know, I, I play a lot with the ladies at Glendale. That's probably my only social game. And then maybe with some sponsors and things like that. Um, but... Yeah, I think I think about once a week if I'm lucky. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I can imagine it. It probably does get uh, as much as you love the sport. It gets a lot of golf constantly playing, and between all the rounds, you still have to be practicing your golf, um, all your little techniques and everything. Uh, is that something you you do often? Do you is there like specific parts of your game that you really try focus on? Uh, how, how does that process go? Uh, so I don't do a lot of technical range work. Um, before I did, um, I do a lot more mental work with my mental coach, Mark. I prefer to spend time with him. Also, he is a, a golfer previously. So, I mean, I wouldn't say I'd necessarily ask him for advice on technique, but he knows what I'm talking about. He's not just a mental coach. He knows a lot about golf as well. Um, so I do a little bit of technical work with, my coach uh, Llewellyn but I mean it's kind of when you turn pro you okay that's a long a long process but when you turn pro you think you've got to change everything to become better you think okay now I'm in the big leagues now I've got to change everything that I've done to you because now I've got to level up and Mm. that's something I did personally I've seen other people do it often it's not that you've got to realize what you did to get where you are in order to turn pro and then improve on that. So I went through the whole thing of, I need to change this, this, this. It didn't work for me. Went back to my roots and improved on those. Um, you know, it's it's a, a Matthew Wolf is a great example. Technically, it isn't, like it doesn't look good. But he's so good at doing it that way that he is good, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah um, that way works for I think him. Golf, I think golf is changing from this technically perfect game to more of, like a feel your own personal thing and perfecting your way of playing golf. Um, 
Because, I mean, um, like, I don't do a lot of technical work. I do probably, like, if I have to go through my routine in the day, I would go to the range for an hour, do some technical work if I need to. Um, then I'd go have breakfast, switch off from the technical, go play, like, take the feedback from my play and um, apply that on the range again. So work a bit on technique. Wedges weren't great. Focus on numbers. Focus on shot shaping. It's not a lot of technique. I mean, when you turn professional, your swing's not going to change that much. It's more about maintaining. So bad habits that used to come in, make sure those things don't happen. And then it's slowly perfecting, fine-tuning everything. Um, so I, pl I try to play a lot more than I go to the range um, just because I learn more out there. It's more of a challenge. And then I can apply what I did on the, the course to the range. But I don't do the five-hour range sessions. All that leads to is injury. I, I fully believe more in quality over quantity. I'd rather hit one bucket and learn from each ball in that bucket than hit five buckets and, and learn nothing. Um, so that's me personally. I know a lot of people love range. I know a lot of people love technical. Whatever works for you. Um, yeah, that's all personal preference, I think. No, I, I think that's awesome. And, and the way you put it, I really like that. Um, and I definitely think, though, also the, the, the way that yeah, it's, it's not the case of, of professional, for example, golfers. We're, we're in a golf podcast. So golfers, they, they get yeah. to the, the stage where now they're becoming a professional. They're going to enter the tour. And it is, yeah, they, they try to change everything. And they actually lose quite a bit of their, their skills in doing so. Whereas I think what you mentioned by actually just remembering how did I get you and, and going back to all, the, all of that, not necessarily just the basics of golf, but going back to your personal basics of golf, um, I, I think it definitely makes in the game of golf a lot more competitive. Um, and, and I definitely think it, it's why golf at the moment, uh, to me, I personally think it's becoming a, a much bigger thing around the world. There's a lot more people jumping onto golf. Uh, it's always, I mean, for, there, there's history of golf and it's always been something massive, but I personally just feel in this last quality, even just since COVID's kind of slowed down a little bit, especially in South Africa, uh, there, there's everyone just taking to golf courses from all ages. Everyone's absolutely loving it. Um, but but going back, obviously, yeah, speaking professionals, I, I really do think that's something that other golfers out there should take into consideration. And it is, it's speaking like Matthew Wolf. well, not speaking like him, but speaking of Matthew Wolf you need to stick to what works for you. It's at the end of the day, you'll have a coach and something might work for them, but they don't have the same swing as you. They don't have the same body shape as you, all of that. There's a lot to actually take into account. But speaking of your coaches, are these, the coaches you currently have with you, have they been with you for a long time? Have, have you changed through your coaches as you've progressed through your career? Uh, I'm quite a picky person uh, when it comes to coaches because for me, golf is business. As much as it is, it's fun, I love it and enjoy it, it is business. Um, so I, I keep it very professional when it comes to coaches and things like that. Um, Mark, my mental coach, I've been with him since before I got my tour card, my, my full European tour card. I actually started seeing him just before that. Uh, I didn't like the golf shrinks at all. My mom tried taking me when I was younger. I just, I couldn't do it. I I overheard one of the mental coaches speaking when I was younger saying, if you get upset on the golf course, look at the trees and it will calm you down. And I said to myself, there is no ways I'm going to look at this tree and it's going to calm me down. So I'm never seeing a mental coach. 
And then I, I was going to tour school. I was nervous. I didn't know how to think, what to do. Like I knew I had to work my ass off, but like how to apply it correctly in order to attain this goal. So I started seeing marks. I've seen marks since 20, 2019. Yeah, I think 2019. Mm-hmm. So we've been working together for, for two years. Uh, Llewellyn, I just started working with um, in October. I started working with him. So happy with the move. I mean, he's awesome. We've made such good progress. Really, really nice guy. I love the way he works. Um, so I'm very chuffed there. I mean, Llewellyn is my third golf coach or I've ever had in my whole life since the age of 10. I don't like changing. I don't like chopping and changing. Like I said, I, I believe what you have, you work on and you perfect your way. And as soon as you jump from coach to coach, they start changing your ways and things like that. So once I find someone I like, I stick to them for quite a while. So yeah, Llewellyn's my third coach. And then um, my strength and conditioning coach in the gym. I've been with him for a year, just over a year now. Um, and then I've got a deep tissue massage therapist. I've been with him for two years now. But yeah, like I say, I don't chop and change. I believe if you stick with it, if you've got a team, keep them around you, keep them close and and focus on on you and how you do things. Yeah, well, and I mean, we've spoken about like all the traveling and how chaotic it can get being out there. So, I mean, yeah, just all constantly changing who who your coaches are and that it it must be, yeah, it, it gets a little bit too much adding onto the pressure. And speaking of, of keeping your coaches and that around for quite a while, and then you mentioned your fiance's caddying for you this weekend. Uh, what, what is your take on like a caddy? Do you try to keep the same caddy? Have you built a relationship with that caddy the same way you have with your coaches? Um, yeah. Um, so this is basically my first full year on tour. So I've traveled a bit now. I've met caddies and things like that. I'm also, like I said, I, I like people sticking to it, being on my team. I have my people around me and I can turn to them at to any for, Words. I can turn to them for anything and what I need and things like that. Caddy is exactly the same for me. Um, I have a caddy in SA, Charlie. Charlie's the best. Like he knows my game like better than I know my game most likely. Um, and I prefer that because I don't have to explain how I like things done. He's caddied for me for three years now. Um, so being Archer on tour, I've met some caddies. Um, they're very expensive, Archer. I can tell you that much. Um, like if golf doesn't work out, go to come do caddying here because they cost like a thousand euros a week so at the moment i haven't got a full caddy um but i am looking i'm thinking about it i'm thinking of bringing charlie here um so we're in discussion of that but i i exactly the same with the caddy i like someone on my side that's my person if i'm playing rubbish he's on my bag if i'm playing great he's on my bag if you stick through thick and thin you firstly grow together uh you learn together and then at the end of the day, you earn your, your success together because caddies are full of rubbish. They only want to play, be caddying for the best players so they make more money. Mm. And that's not how I like to do things. Go through all the rubbish with me and then we celebrate together at the end of the day. Um, as much as golf is an individual sport, like I said, I keep my team around me. It is a team sport for me. I have my team. We all work, work working towards the same goal. And it's easier that way. It's easier to make sure you're always on track, fitness, food, mentally, physically, swing, you know, everything, numbers on the golf course. So caddies definitely 
that's me personally. I know a lot of girls chop and change, but that's me once again. No, that's awesome. And I, I would imagine they, that your caddies, your coaches, they almost become a bit of your family while you, you're on tour. They sort of the closest people you have to you. They know you the most. So they are the people that you can talk to, you surround yourself with as much as you can. Um, but I mean, I, I know previously uh, we spoke with Mike Davillas from Modifant Team Golf Club and, and, and we spoke a lot about caddies and how they they can calm you down and that. Um, and you obviously you mentioned looking at the trees and and that you thought straight away, no way, so that's not working. That's not for me. How do you, have you implemented your own way to sort of calm down? Yeah, funny enough, um, I was quite feisty as a kid. Um, I think I, I'm just so competitive. It's in our family. We just really, really competitive with any sport. That's why I say like playing any sport, I was really good at it because if I wasn't good, I'd practice until I became good. So I definitely think like it's the competitiveness in me. Uh, but now that I've grown up a bit, I'm a lot more chilled. Um, I mean, it's, it's something I work on with Mark often. Um, Mark speaks to Charlie. Charlie knows how to calm me down. Also, like, he also, there's also a time and a place to do it. You know, if I'm angry, don't tell me to relax. It's like the Absolutely. worst thing to tell a woman. Let me have my moments. Then when we get onto the next tee, you, you say to me, cool, next hole, let's get going. Let's focus on this one. Um, so there's definitely ways around it. I'm actually a very relaxed player now. Um, I don't get upset. I mean, when I first started working with Mark, um, so we had this interview and we just met up and got to know him a bit and we chatted and then he said, cool, come play. I'm going to watch you play. I'll give you some notes and then we'll take it from there. So I'm like, cool. And I played horrific. I was like, oh, you're embarrassing yourself. But I'm trying my best out here. I'm just hitting. So he comes to me afterwards and he expects me to be like, fuming because I played so rubbish and he said so how was that I said it wasn't great but I tried my best it's golf this is how it goes and he's like okay so you're not upset about it I said I'm not upset if Adrian doesn't pack the dishwasher I'm upset but if I make a bogey and I tried my best then I'm okay so I'm quite a calm person there's certain things that frustrate me but on the golf course not too much I mean silly mistakes we can easily get upset about but I'm not throwing clubs anywhere or like really struggling to calm myself down. Um, I think it's very controllable as well. I mean, John Rahm's the perfect example. The guy was a raging mess and now he's so calm and look at what he's doing. So I definitely think it's a uh, controllable. No, absolutely. And I'm, at, at the end of the day, like you said, it's, it's, it's on you. You're the one playing the, the, the shots and all of that. You know whether or not you're there and you're trying your best, you know whether you're there and you're taking it easy and, you know when you've really made a silly mistake. Um, so I, I, I definitely think, yeah, uh, John Rom, he's a great example. Uh, I would even say Tyrell Hatton's also quite a good example. Sure. Uh, he's definitely, I, I would say, recovered quite well. Um, but yeah, uh, nevertheless, uh, something we do like to ask all our guests on the show, can you remember your first birdie playing golf? I cannot, but I can remember... <laughs> I don't know if this counts, but I made an albatross. Oh, wow. That, that, that's awesome. I, I, it doesn't really count, though, but I'll explain. So we played golf as, as kids, and the one day there was like this adventure golf for kids, um, and it was with plastic golf balls. I'm trying to think of the company's name. It was the coolest thing. So they used to have these golf lessons, these plastic balls. You bring your own club, and then you play this little golf course and whatever. And 
Um, I've always been quite strong. That's why I did well in sport as well. Quite a strong person generally. Um, and we had this par five, not really a par five. And I just smacked. I remember I always wanted the blue ball and I just smacked this blue ball and I hit it in the hole for two on this par five, which was probably a par three back then and made albatross and I absolutely lost my mind. And that's the only like crazy thing I remember as a young golfer. Like I don't remember much from starting golf. I think because I had so many sports going on back then, but that's the one crazy thing I do remember. No, I, I think yeah, that's definitely something to take with you and may have been a part three considering your age. That's definitely a part five and it's an albatross. <laughs> that's one for the books. <laughs> but um, I agree. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, growing up, yeah, you, you, you obviously played a lot of sports. Were, were there any other sports that you, you potentially thought, maybe let me give this a go and, and then try to go prof- professional? So um, in primary school, I played a lot of sports and that was just me enjoying it. I played hockey, netball, athletics, soccer, you name it. I did it. And then when I got to high school, I kind of cut a bit away because then I had to focus on studies. Um, And sport takes a lot of your time when you're in high school because you've got to firstly do school, family, social life, and then still figure out sports like around that. So when I started in grade eight, I think I did five or six sports. And each year we went up, I took a sport away and I had to decide what I couldn't do. Firstly, studies got harder. And then the better you start getting at sports, i.e. golf, uh, the more time it takes. And then I got to grade 11 and I was left with athletics, hockey and golf. And I decided to leave athletics because, I don't know, I was really good at it. Um, I mean, I would. I did a, I got a javelin and they said, throw this thing as far as you can. I went there and I threw it and they're like, cool. You just broke some record. You're going to essays. I was like, I don't even know how to hold this thing. I just, you told me to throw it and I threw it. Um, so I didn't enjoy it. It was, it, I like I enjoyed it, but not as much as other things. So matric came and I had hockey and I had golf. Um, I was at St. Danson's College on a golf scholarship. And golf was kind of, my, it was a lot of my main focus. And I really enjoyed hockey because of the, the team spirit. Um, also keeping me fit, like running fit, not like golf fits and things like that. It was just different. I enjoyed the team spirit. I was quite bossy and I liked winning. So I played hockey and then I left school and I gave the hockey sticks away and said, I was supposed to go to the States and study there. Um, so that was the whole plan the whole time. I got some scholarship offers. I'm basically preparing which school I want to go to and get going and I don't know. I just thought to myself, somebody came to me. I can't even remember who and said, what are you going to study? And I said, I don't know. I'm not going there to study. I want to play golf. And they said, yeah, but you have to pick something. So I'm thinking BCom, business, I don't know, something that's just something to study. And I said to myself, why are we going all the way there when what you want to do is play golf? Let me, let me think of a plan. And I went to my mom and I said, listen, mom, I don't want to go to the States anymore. And she was so upset because this was the plan the whole time. I put so much work into schoolwork just to get my marks up to go there. And I said, plans changed. I think I must turn pro, play on the Sunshine Tour. If I don't finish top 10 on the Sunshine Tour, I head to Tux, I study and I play golf there. You have your way because she wanted me to study all the way. She said, fine, deal. I played Sunshine Tour, I finished fifth. So now the next deal was up. I said, 
mom, I want to go to European tour school. If I get my card, I play golf. If I don't get my card, I study. Went to tour school, got my card. She's never mentioned studying again. So. <laughs> it was aligned. It was meant to be. Um, and like you say, plans change. And I, I personally, I'm someone, as much as I love planning and having things in order, I always just find it's the case that when something's not planned, it's, it's always, it's a little bit better. It works out a lot better for some reason. Uh, you enjoy doing it a little bit more. Um, and I just think, yeah, that, no, that's an incredible story of, of how you actually decided to take up golf in that. Um, but seeing, I, I've seen on your social media quite a bit, uh, you, you're quite a sneakerhead and, and you like collecting your shoes and that. Is, is that something yeah. you do when, when you're traveling, you're collecting shoes all over the world? Do you, is that what your suitcase is filled with or, or do you try to leave that all at home? Uh, my mom keeps telling me to stop buying shoes. Uh, I love shoes. Like it's, we actually went shoe shopping today. We took a train to the main station to go find shoes. They didn't have my size, but yes, huge sneakerhead. Um, I try to find shoes all over the world. Um, heading to London next week, I can't wait. If I find shoes, I will let you know. But love shoes. Like I actually, it's almost a problem. Like I really, really, they just give me happiness. I don't know why. Um, so when I turned pro, I gave up, uh, not, I wouldn't say social life, but I gave up partying. So I stopped drinking and all that. And I said to myself, if you win, what are you going to do? So I came up with my own little tradition is, if you win a tournament or you have something to celebrate, you go buy yourself a pair of shoes and you go have a nice dinner. So now it's motivated me and it's grown my sneaker collection. <laughs> so I'm super, super chuffed. I got a flipping cool pair of shoes last week. Um, yeah, it's a problem. It's no, a real no, problem. I think the, uh, it's really cool how, yeah, it's, it's almost something that takes your mind a little bit off of golf. You know, you, you can go shoe shopping for the day and, I mean, just being you know, all, all over the world and, and all over Europe, it, it's as much as you get to see all the stuff, it, it must be really cool experiencing going into all the shops. And from what I've heard, London is incredible for, for all your sneakers wow. and that. So uh, you, you're probably going to fill up that suitcase just there in London, probably have to send a bag home with your fiance. Uh, but let's That's see how exactly that goes. That's exactly the plan. <laughs> Yeah, well, so we bought the pair of shoes and we said, okay, now we've got to buy a bag. So we're trying to find him a pair of shoes because now I've completed him to a sneakerhead. And now it's a problem because now it's the both of us. So we're going to buy an extra bag and he's going home with all our shoes. And then when I come back after five weeks, I'll probably have another pair. It's it's getting quite out of hand now. I think I have like 45 pairs of shoes, just sneakers. So I think it needs to slow down a bit. But it motivates me to play better. So. I'm going to keep it. <laughs> no, and, and if it motivates you to play better, keep it. Yeah, absolutely. And with these shoes that you're buying, but for example, the ones you got today, do they ever have any sentimental value to you? Do they remind you of current like tours that you've been on, the places you've visited, or are they just your sneakers for the collection? So I have sneakers for my collection. And then the slightly like rarer shoes is what I buy when I win. So I've got a pair of Air Jordan Lucky Greens that I bought when I won Joburg Open. Um, also, I like the history of shoes. I'm, it might sound so stupid to some people, but like especially Jordans, I collect a lot of Jordans. And then when you buy the shoe, there's a story behind it. And like, I don't know, if like the Chicago ones, Jordan played, it was his first pair of shoes he created or something like that. There's like a story behind it. And then I try to relate something to that. Uh, also depends what shoe I buy for what occasion. Like I say, when I want Joburg open, 
I bought the Lucky Greens. Now I'll always remember it for that. Um, so yeah, dep- it depends on the shoe, but others are just I love shoes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So 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 maybe one day as you progress in your career, you're going to launch a little shoe line of your own. Have a little trademark. 100%. Maybe have your I mean, own Jordans or, or, for example, I love Tiger Woods. I've always got the Tiger Woods cap on. Maybe you'll have something like that of your own. Um, hopefully, I need a sponsorship from Nike by this stage, and then I'll have plenty shoes. So uh, <laughs> hopefully, this podcast will get you that sponsorship. <laughs> um, cool, but but nevertheless, um, it's really been so cool speaking with you today. Uh, it's been an honor with having your time. Um, as mentioned a little bit earlier, my brother and I, we are going to be heading to Europe a little bit later in the show, and we'd absolutely love to have you back on the show. Um, but yeah, until then, uh, I definitely think for all the fans yeah, out there, keep your eyes on Cassandra Hall because she is a player to watch, and she's definitely a very, very interesting person to listen to. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me, and uh, enjoy Europe. Maybe we'll meet up this side. Absolutely. Well, there, there's actually something my brother and I, we always try to do with all our guests. We, we always get a little golf ball signed, um, particularly at generally the golf club that we're doing. So if I do, when I'm in Europe, I'm coming to find you to get my golf ball signed. Perfect. All right. That's cool. a deal. Thank you so much though. <laughs> no problem. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it.